time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, call me, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey! This is escape? Then where the pod? Here's the Welcome back, everybody, to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and today we have Peter and Ian joining us from the Star Wars podcast. And uh, great dudes, we've had them on before. We did a speculation of Mandalorian Season 2 with them in the fall of 2020. So I thought it was only appropriate that we just bring them back for another chat about Mando and uh, catch up on all the episodes that uh, that we got. We ran into some technical difficulties, so major disclaimer there. There were some breaks in the conversation. Some things got cut off. Uh, so I tried to fill it up and fix it up as best as possible uh but uh, just a disclaimer there if you notice anything funky it's because of that so <laughs> stay tuned let's catch up with peter and ian another happy landing yeah cool so how are you guys doing i'm good mate you yeah, pretty good. Uh, you know, it's been it's been uh, uh, an interesting couple of days, I guess. You know, New Year's and all that. Um, uh, it's it's been busy. It's been very busy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. What about you there, Peter? Yeah, um, had a nice Christmas. Obviously, a bit, bit weird, sort of isolated. Well, sort of, you know, not really mingling with the family and stuff. But it was made the most of it. It was it was good. Right, um, and then like. Before you know, back to work with like full of busy. So yeah, yeah, it's it's been uh, yeah. I guess yeah, Christmas and stuff like that. It's been has been pretty busy. Um, and uh, you know, we've had uh, I guess we had the end of season two of Mando, and and now we're kind of rolling straight into twenty twenty one, which is pretty nuts. You know, being January second today. Um, but uh, I wanted to, I really wanted to catch up with you guys about about this past season and stuff, and then. Uh, and then also just like chat about kind of the stuff that we're getting this year. Um, but uh, we, we last just like kind of chatted. Uh, I think it was like, I think our, our episode published October 25th. So it's actually been like a while now, I guess, which uh, time really flies. But um, yeah, how'd you guys like this, this past Mandalorian season? I loved it, mate. I thought it was fantastic. One of the best things. I've ever seen in all of Star Wars. It was amazing. Yeah. Couldn't rate it any higher, to be fair. <laughs> right. Yeah, I loved how, like, surprising it, like, every episode was fantastic. But also, like, because you didn't know what you were getting, it was like a, I don't know, like a big surprise every episode. So it was, like, really, really fun. Um, yeah. Definitely. I, like, enjoyed it a lot more than I did The Rise of Skywalker. So, like, like it really got my taste buds sort of thrown again for like tasty yeah. Star Wars content, essentially. Like yeah, quenched. You know, like it's like Star Wars yeah. thirst has now been finally quenched. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I know. I know what you. I know what you mean because, um, yeah. I mean, I it's I, I I did like a full series of of uh, like after shows, kind of with like my usual crew, 
uh, and we we chatted about each of them kind of extensively and stuff. But um, but because you you know the three of us did like kind of a, a speculation thing, I wanted to kind of catch up with you guys like kind of episode by episode, I guess, just like how you found it, like anything that you really liked about it, you know, just stuff like that. Um, I thought that'd be kind of interesting. So, uh, I mean, I really loved this past season. I thought it was like amazing. Um, I guess there's, there's nothing I really, there's, there's no sore thumbs that I was like, Ooh, that just like didn't work. I mean, there was, there was one small thing that I'll get over eventually, but I'll bring that up later. But, uh, but yeah, this, this season was like just amazing. Like it's just astounding. I think Dave and John like pulled out all the stops with this one. And, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're all really lucky to have them, uh, in charge of, of this show, you know, just delivering like this kind of Star Wars content. Cause, um, you know, I guess a lot of us didn't feel the same way about Rise of Skywalker, you know, just didn't feel like it was the best, you know, um, for a finale. Right. Uh, I mean, in some ways, like it had a lot of cool stuff, but then it's a hit or miss for a lot of people out there. Um, and then, you know, when I watched like the, the finale for this season, you know, it didn't even feel like, uh, like it was over, but I was like on the edge of my couch, just like screaming at my TV. I was like, dude, like, like if only I felt this way about everything, but, um, but yeah, it just like, it was so unexpected. A lot of things I, I wanted I didn't expect to see, but I wanted to see, and then I saw it anyway, you know? Um, so yeah, going back to like the first episode, uh, we had Cobb Vanth show up, which was like crazy because I know that this came up when we were speculating about the season and, uh, have the three of you all read the, I know Ian, you, you were the aftermath trilogy, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Peter, did you, did you end up getting around to read that one? Yeah. I read the aftermath trilogy. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I think, you know, I remember us, it it came up at one point and, uh, we kind of speculated like, oh, was that Cobb Vanth in the Boba Fett armor? And, you know, and, and weirdly enough, I guess the person that walked up to Fennec wasn't Boba Fett, but Cobb Vanth showed up anyways, which is like the, like the craziest thing ever, because like, um, because when the, when the season one episode came out where, where Fennec is like, is like shot in the gut and, you know, looked like to, to be dead kind of thing. Uh, there was that end credit or that, the, the scene at the very end where like the person walks up in the desert is like nighttime and stuff. And, uh, and I think we were, we we're all like, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I was like, Oh, that's, that's gotta be Boba Fett. Like I heard the spurs and everything like that. Uh, or it could be Cobb Vanth. Cause like, maybe he's got the armor now, you know, he should have the spurs technically cause he's got the armor um and then and then the first episode like Cobb Vance showed up did you guys like that like you like tie-in I loved it uh yeah I've been I've loved the character ever since I've read the first Aftermath trilogy yeah uh, the first book in the Aftermath trilogy and the fact it happened like I've, there was a part of me that wanted it to happen but then there was a part of me that thought they're not gonna do it they'll just right Bob Fett will have yeah. the armor and then but no yeah it was crazy Timothy Oliphant was fantastic Mm-hmm. It's Cobb Vanth. I know he, he plays a lot of sheriffs in his acting career, anyway. He really, yeah. He really, he really. I really love the character. Yeah, I really love it. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, Peter, how did you feel about that one? Yeah, I think like for me, it's fantastic that they obviously had season two all ironed out story wise while they were making season one. 
obviously like the like using that boot spur sound effect was to get like people thinking it's Boba Fett. Right. And then everyone's like, oh no, it's probably not. And then guess what? It actually was Boba Fett and we've set this thing up. Uh to where we're gonna have Fennec and Boba team up and then like we even want to give them their own series as well down the line. Um so just great to see like continuity and like long term storytelling in sort of you know, having a having a concrete plan. You, you know, it's it's some yeah. of the things that the sequel trilogy got a little bit of stick for, and like if you're anyone who likes pro wrestling, especially uh, well wrestling entertainment, like at the minute they get a bit of stick for like not sticking by the long term storylines. But like when you do long term mm-hmm. storytelling right, it's beautiful, and like that is what this is. It's beautiful. Um, so mm-hmm. I love the fact we got brought that. Um, I love the fact that they went to Covent and they brought that in from the aftermath trilogy. I think you know when they said in 2015 we're making everything canon, but like uh, are they going to reference it or they're not? Um, but like, I'm mm-hmm. glad they stuck in the guns and I'm glad they did that because it worked so well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's well said because, uh, in, in our speculation episode, uh, we, we did chat a little bit about Rise of Skywalker and, and I remember it came up when, uh, uh, Star Wars Allegiance, the comic book series had come up and stuff. And I think we briefly kind of discussed the fact that like we, we read that and then expected that to kind of tie into the movie and then just felt like it was completely like unacknowledged at all um i don't know if you guys like remember that but um i yeah i, I kind yeah, of I do, yeah. yeah and 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 it was a bit of a disappointment but and then again i was like oh why would they like it's like a four-part comic series and but like the inner fan of me that expects that that like exactly how peter put it you know was like oh we're making everything canon and everything's gonna like tie together and stuff like I, I half expected them to, to deliver on that promise, but at the same time, you know, I'm like, oh, it's JJ. Like, he's not going to care. Like, he's just going to make the movie he wants to make, being the director. That's it, right? And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I'm, it's not going to bother me forever that they didn't like integrate this four-part comic book series. Like, you know, um, obviously it's a little bit of a poke, but. You know, I can I can live with it, but uh, but yeah, like at the same time, it's like it's been years since the aftermath trilogy came out. It's been years since any of us have read about Cobb Vanth. Like, I was like, when when we speculated, I was like, is Cobb Vanth going to show up? I really hope so. Is he realistically probably not? And and then totally side sideline me. I was like, whoa, like this is awesome. Like he walks in the room. That's Cobb Vanth. This is like dream come true this season's already off to like a huge good start um because for anyone who doesn't know Cobb Vanth I mean obviously they're not going to care but to all of us who invested time into like reading those books and stuff like that you know it it makes a great big deal of uh of of effort I guess you know just like watching that and um I guess digesting that material is just like it's kind of nice you know um like it came up when I was doing one of the after shows with with uh, the other guys, um, and uh, it was I think it was Phil. He was saying um, because he he doesn't watch a whole lot of the the other things. Like he, he hasn't gone through Clone Wars or Rebels yet, and he's like, it's it's uh, it's nice to watch a show like Mandalorian and then have. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have those connections, but he also wants it to kind of stand on its own and have it make sense, like having not watched the other stuff. And, you know, I can, I can definitely get on board with that. Like, I feel like all these stories need to have their own pillars to stand on and rather than just constantly building off the others. 
but there does have to be a little bit of that because like it is star wars it's all connected um and it, it can't be in a way that like this entire story is like building off the previous one but uh kind of like a part two to a part one sort of deal but uh but it is really really nice when they have those little moments like like when maul showed up in solo totally unexpected loved every minute of it you know it's just like the best best stuff i've ever seen um but uh yeah i mean that was that was really cool and then obviously to see boba fett at the end of that is it to confirm that he's actually alive was was like super sick um what was the next what is the next episode after that the passenger yeah uh yeah what did you think of that episode crash landing on an ice planet we got the the white knobby spiders from ralph mccory's concepts um frog lady you know it was a it was a fun episode for me i don't like spiders at all so they scared the hell out of me <laughs> yeah, i hate yeah. spiders but uh no it was really i think that episode was more Obviously, the first episode's crazy. You've got Boba Fett, Cobb Vant, Crate Dragons. Uh, it was a bit more of a personal story. You saw the development between uh, Mando and the kids, and the child, sorry. And, uh, and plus, I love Frog Lady as well. I think she's a great new character. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was a bit more of a personal story. I think it was awesome seeing the X-Wings chasing the Razor Crest around, uh, I can't remember what the planet's called. It's the same planet from uh, the season one. The first episode mm. of season one. I can't remember what it's called. But uh, yeah, the, yeah, I thought it was a really, really good episode. Like I said, the spiders scared the hell out of me because I don't like them. But besides <laughs> that, it was, uh, no, it was a really good episode. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, thought, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, what'd you think of that, that one, Peter? You, you like the child sucking all the eggs up? <laughs> well, don't yeah, it was quite like, <laughs> <laughs> I dropped when I first seen it. I was like, oh, well, we're going here. Um, but it, it was it was it was funny. Um, I like this episode. It sort of you think about roller coasters and how ups and downs and the turns and the corkscrews and you know those slow points where like it, it's going up really slowly. And you can hear it clicking before it comes down. It's like we've just had like a huge corkscrew in season one. Mm-hmm. It's been in, in episode one where it was like Boba Fett, Cobb Vanth, like. Tatooine craziness, Tuscan Raiders. Um, and then this episode was like bringing them back down to earth a bit, the slow bit. So we'll just turn on the track and we're taking my next, we're getting my breath back ready for what's going to come next. So I think it was it was a nice way of sort of taking the adrenaline of the yeah. show. You don't you don't want a tense episode every episode because you'll get get emotionally um exhausted. Um so yeah, I love sort of uh of seeing um the mandibles in this episode is that right? Mm. Yeah, it was like one? the big giant, yeah. The mandible, like it was good to see like him play, sort of playing cards. Uh, there was like a sabak <laughs> going on, so again, little bits, of, little sprinklings of um of Star Wars in there, which was cool. Um, I loved Frog Lady. I thought like her story, getting yeah. to know her, um, was really cool. Um, Mando just sort of going along with it. You know, Mando doesn't know who she is. Um. And Petty Motto's like, oh no, like this, this lady's going to come with you and show you the Mandalorians. And it's like, turns out to be not someone that Petty Motto even knows, but then Mando just goes along with it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, which always got like a heart of gold, I think, a little bit. Um, but the spiders were done really well. Like those things looked like, you know, they were, they were creepy. They were vast. Um, yeah, they're quite scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think they're from, from Star Wars Rebels on as well. 
Yeah, they uh, yeah they took. Well, I guess Rebels kind of built off the design of the Ralph McQuarrie stuff. So yeah, they they took those and added that in that show, and then and then I guess again in in this one. Uh, although I don't remember in Rebels seeing one nearly as big as like the massive giant one that we that we got no. in this episode. So that was that was pretty cool to see like you know a kind of an even more terrifying looking depiction of these things. Um, but uh, and it, yeah. It reminded yeah, me of so uh, from um, it, it Phantom Menace when Qui Gon's like, "There's always a bigger fish." It was like, "There's always a yeah. bigger spider." Yeah, totally. There's always a bigger spider. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly it. You know, in this in the spirit of George, there. Um, so in the following episode, you know, we had uh, we had Bo Katan show up in her and her night owls, and we had a bit of a cool like heist uh, moment going on there. And you know, reference to the dark saber and and Ahsoka, uh, and and that was kind of the episode that confirmed all the all the. At that point, it was pretty much confirmed anyway. But um, you know, in the show, it was like, oh yeah, okay, we're getting this in like a week or two, kind of thing. Um, but I I really like that episode. I mean, some some of the some of the people on my end um, weren't a huge fan of the music that was playing, but uh, I didn't I didn't mind it. You know, and I, I'm so used to watching Clone Wars where the music is very different anyways. So, uh, you know, it's, it was okay for me, but, um, yeah. How'd you guys like that one? Yeah. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it was one of my favorite episodes of season two. Uh, seeing Bo-Katami live action is another crazy moment where you're like, I can't believe this is happening. And the fact is Katie Sackhoff as well, who played the oh, character yeah. for like 10 years. Yeah. Amazing. The action was really good. Like Bryce Dallas Howard directed this episode. I think she did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. You just the action. Uh, also, Sasha Banks, uh, Mercedes Vanedo, obviously from WB. I thought she was amazing in it. Uh, I'm just trying to think what else happened. Obviously, the name tease of Ahsoka. It was like, okay, we all knew it was coming, but it's like, oh my god, this is actually real. And. Yeah. Uh, I loved that, uh, and I loved the whole uh, action sequence on the Gazanti cruiser. Them, uh, them Imperials had no chance of stopping those Mandalorians <laughs> coming through. Right, and uh, yeah, and I like the dynamic between Din and uh, Bo. Obviously, at first, I think they kind of take him as like a, obviously they tell him he's a child of the Watch, which is like a Mandalorian subculture cult. I think they kind of take him as a bit of a not maybe not idiot is the right word, but a bit of a like a rube. But uh, and then she even like mocks him in the episode where she says this is the way to him when she like changes the deal on him and that type of thing. And uh, come the end, I think they all respect one another. Obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Jack, uh, it's one of my favorite episodes. It's uh, it's one of my favorite. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that one, Peter? Yeah, um, I think firstly when the when the title first came up, the Harris, um, I love how like the titles of these episodes those who have invested in the canon the titles give you so much if you haven't invested mm-hmm. in the canon they don't really take it away it's like the first episode of the marshal as soon as it said the marshal we were like oh my god like is this cob vance like yeah do you know what i mean maybe that yeah. little thing it's one the harris obviously we know who heiress of mandalore is do you know what i mean so it was like oh we're getting bogatan get in uh, like later yeah. on the jedi like, we all know who the jedi is that's referencing um mm-hmm. Really simple but clever, clever titles. Uh, like even more so in this one. Um, I thought Bogotan and uh, Team of Night Owls uh, looked fantastic. Uh, the action looked fantastic. Um, I love the uh, 
amount of creatures in this episode. Obviously, you get a lot of Quarren and a lot of uh, Mon Calamari um, mm-hmm. teaming up and being buddies, actually. Scheming, scheming friends, it seems. Um, I love how uh, all the Mon Calamari seem to be wearing Carhartt jumpers. Uh, very, yeah. very trendy. Um, yeah. Um, the funniest thing about this episode, which, which we, me and Ian talked about on, on our podcast when we talked about it was um the, the Mon Calamari who fixes the razor crest. Um I've always thought he looks high as a kite. And like that's probably why <laughs> yeah. you know what he's doing. He he's probably ready as well. Yeah. So it's like I don't know if you watch that back, I'm sure he's maybe he's been indulging in some spice. Yeah. Actually there was a there was a celebrity cameo who played played that uh that man that calamari was it was it Javina Givankar or something? There was, there, I think there, there was, yeah, it was, it was her, I think. Uh, so she, she, anybody listening out there, uh, she was the actress who played um, Iden Versio for Battlefront 2. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, she, she wore the, the, the big squid costume and uh, I guess had her, had her day on set. Um, that being said, it would be very cool to see her pop in the show at some point as well. Now, I mean, season two was packed with like all these appearances of like all these, you know, I mean, Bo-Katan being the first uh, live action adaption of an animated character that we've seen. Cobb Vanth being the first uh, from a book that we've seen, from what I can think of. Uh, And, uh, you know, and we started to see more live action versions of these characters pop up and even the games as well. So like we've seen a realistic version of Harris and Dula pop up now in Star Wars Squadrons. Um, you know, and uh, Admiral Sloan as well, uh, which is all very cool. Uh, but I think, you know, and with Ahsoka in this season as well and other amongst other things, um, I guess throwing even more stuff in would have been would have been even more crazy. I mean, seeing as season two ended off with, you know, Luke showing up as well. So, uh, you know, maybe in the next season we'll get we'll get Aiden Versio popping up for a cameo at some point. But I think that would be really cool. Uh, it'd be a nice tie into that. Because uh, I really like the campaign for Battlefront 2. I think that was a great story. Um, I think she yeah. can turn up in uh, Rangers of the New Republic. Oh, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a yeah. good idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's uh, right. Yeah, we got other shows on the horizon now that all these characters could pop in. So, yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, yeah, I thought I thought this episode was, was pretty awesome. Um, I mean, it, it was everything I kind of wanted to see as far as like an adaption of an animated character, you know, going into live action, you know, Katie Sackhoff playing across the board kind of thing. I thought that was fantastic. Um, and, uh, and that, that's kind of what made me a little sad, I guess, like knowing that cause Rosaria Dawson is awesome, but, uh, it, it made me sad to think that Ashley was never even given a shot at like bringing that character to life. Like, I'm just curious, did you guys like feel that way or did you just kind of, it, it just didn't bother you at all? We've 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 uh, me and Pete have talked about this, and uh, I think like we've I think we both agreed it was a I'd, if you're led to believe how it was handled, if she wasn't even given a heads up, I think that's a yeah. little bit I think that's a little bit disrespectful. Like we, right. me and Pete were saying, Event, eventually I don't think she would ever was going to play her in live action because I just I don't think she'd look. I don't think she's got the look to do it. If you get what I mean, yeah. But I think, yeah, Pete's said it better than I have on his podcast there. I think they could have at least given her a heads up because I think she, like Pete says, I think she got ambushed 
on like yeah, a Q and A, and it all dropped. Yeah, that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, it was. She was kind of blindsided by it. I think. Like, I don't know. I would expect her to even at least get a phone call from Dave about it. You know, just like, yeah. hey Ashley. Uh, so you know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we get we're getting somebody else to play a token now, <laughs> something like that, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Ashley's taken it really well. I mean, I've I've been keeping tabs on her social media stuff, and um, you know, she she had a really good multi-page Instagram post, kind of, uh, I guess, sharing her thoughts on it way back in spring, and then and then another one when the episode actually aired and Rosario played the character and everything. Um, you know, she just, she just like really, she's honestly like the heart and soul of that character. Cause like, I, I did think that yeah. something was missing. Like when, when I saw Ahsoka, I'm kind of jumping ahead to that next episode now, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it is what it is. Like there's many characters that have a different voice in the animation compared to their live action. I mean, Anakin Obi-Wan being, you know, two, two really big ones. Uh, and it's not that uncommon, but after seeing Bo-Katan being brought to life by Katie Sackhoff, it kind of made me miss it even more. Cause I was like, Oh, like Katie, she did the animated character. And now she's doing the live action. Like, that's really cool. Um, I just wish that Ashley had the chance to do that as well. But, um, cause she did do the voice for her in rise of Skywalker, of course, as well. Right. When, yeah. when Ray has her moment. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like she hasn't been in the feature films, but we just never seen her embodied. Uh, so the episode after Bo-Katan shows up, we get a pretty cool episode called The Siege. And, uh, you know, they take over that, that base. Um, and, uh, you know, we got a cool speeder chase and a dog fight, which was insanely awesome, as short as it was. Uh, and uh, we had these, like, uh, I guess, would you call them first appearances of, of Snoke's? <laughs> or like, mm. what, like, what do you what do you think those are? And in, in those back to things, like, I'm just curious. Like, what what do you think they are? I think they're trying to. I don't. I don't think that's Snoke. Because uh, if you read the Rise of Skywalker novelization and all that thing, I think Snoke's very much a Palpatine creation. Mm -hmm. I think they're trying to do something. Clone Force users, maybe. But obviously, you get the hologram from Doctor Pershing saying about. Uh, wanted needing more access to the child's blood and all that type of thing. I don't think they're Snokes, but I think they are some sort of first attempt at maybe trying to do. I don't know. We don't know when Palpatine resurrects. We don't know how long it is after Return of the Jedi. So we don't know if he's alive at this point in the timeline. But yeah, I would. I'm probably led to believe it's something, something Palpatine Snokey related, but I don't think that in the tank is Snoke. Mm. No. How about you, Peter? Yeah, so I think obviously, I think Moff Gideon and the Imperial remnant that he's part of, it seemed pretty, um, uh, pretty hell bent on creating super soldiers. Obviously, later on they create, they've got those um, dark troopers that are like robots. Um, so I think he's got robotic dark troopers. I think he's trying to create like force using clones for like to be his other set of troops. But he's having problems developing them at the minute, obviously. Um, so yeah, I think that's what they are. I think they're the the leftover carcasses of failed clones. Um, obviously, Doctor Pershing has this sort of Camino uniform, the, the Camino emblem on his on his arm. There, um, I think it's, it's there for a reason. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I think yeah, I definitely, I definitely think Moff Gideon's wanting some form of super soldier, and he's trying to create the mutants with force powers. 
and um, it's it's not working. And I would like to think it wouldn't work. Like you know, there's like you know, like the force works in mysterious ways, and it usually has an agenda. And I think if you try to clone it, I think it would just go nuts. Nah, you know what it is that not that's not going to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think this was this is something that in the expanded universe they've been they tampered with as well. Uh, you know, being I guess Starkiller being an example, and then again with the whole Palpatine clone and Dark Empire. Uh, but um, I always thought the whole Palpatine coming back was in the expanded universe. I always thought it was a bit odd, a uh, bit of a strange story, very like out there kind of thing. Was never a huge fan of it. Um, so I was very surprised when they decided to bring him back for episode nine. But uh, um, yeah, it's it, it's interesting because we, of course, don't know whether or not Palpatine actually is back or not um, at this point in the timeline. Because it's it's about, uh, what are we, like 20, 24 years away from Force Awakens or so. Uh, yeah, roughly, yeah. Yeah. And so... By that point, I mean, it's assumed that Palpatine is back because like Snoke is a thing and, you know, he's ruling over the First Order, you know, and I can only think that he's been doing that for a couple of years at that point. So we're really not too far away as far as like as far as like time between kind of now and when Palpatine is supposed to be back. Uh, but it does make me think um, it when he got tossed down that hole and you know, so to say, big died. Uh, did he even die or, or did his soul like literally go into a body that he'd already planned to have and then never really died in the first place, you know, uh, in which case he would be alive. And then Snoke might actually be a thing that he's, he's trying to create at this point forward, we're going to get more of this stuff because They wouldn't have put, taken him away, but you know, it, it's it's tough for me to think that the third season is just not going to have anything to do. With any of this, even furthermore, of course, with all the other shows that are built, building up to Kathleen Kennedy described as this climax. Which is, which is really cool because like i mean i think as far as ironically enough as far as sequels go a lot of people really love that story so when they announced that yeah. they were doing these films like it was pretty much the first thing that popped into anyone's head back in 2013 it's like oh are we going to get something like you know the heir to the empire films or maybe something that evolves around that story and then they kind of confirms like no 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 that's all eu well, off to the side uh let's do something new kind of thing but um, but now, of course, like, you know, they're they're doing all these new things. And it's like, I think they're reevaluating a lot of this this stuff. And it seems to me as if they're actually headed in that direction. I mean, like since that whole movement, like they've they've brought Thrawn back and, uh, you know, they've done other things to to kind of point towards that that story a little more. And uh, I, I think it's really cool. I think we're going to we're going to have some some pretty awesome climactic finale. And it, it's even more. 
cool to think that maybe it'll be like a actual movie that goes into the theater, you know? Um, it's like having watched all these shows and then going to the theater to see like this big screen cinematic event that, you know, kind of stands on its own, but, but also has all this like build up from these shows that people have been watching on, on Disney plus and stuff. Um, and, and I've known people to watch the Mandalorian having not seen anything else in star Wars, uh, or, or even just like one movie or, or something like that. And so it's even very, very casual viewers have, have seen this show. And arguably, I think more people have even seen Mandalorian than most of the films, which is, yeah. which is pretty nuts. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it, it, to me, I'm like, it, it's again, it's a crazy thought, but I'm like, I wonder if more people would end up going to the theater to see a movie that's based on this show, than it would be based on the other nine, 11 movies that they've made. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff to think about. Uh, so we had chapter 13, the Jedi Ahsoka Tano finally shows up and I know we touched up a bit on this with Rosario and all that, but, um, yeah. How'd you guys like this episode? Loved it. Uh, I love the fact that it just opens straight away with Ahsoka cutting down, (laughs) cutting down. Yeah. Whatever, whatever them guys are under the hoods, we don't know what, what type of aliens they are. Yeah, and uh, it's very like remember we said this on Pete's podcast. It's very reminiscent. I thought it was very reminiscent of like Batman, of uh, like obviously striking, moving, using the darkness, obviously switching the lightsabers on and off to keep herself covered, and then uh, she cuts them down and she goes straight up, and then you obviously meet the magistrate, and uh, she's an interesting character. But then you obviously find out Ahsoka wants something about someone. And uh, yeah, I loved it. Like, it was very, uh, obviously, Dave Filoni was always, we always knew probably what episode she was going to show up in. It's the one episode he directed this season. And uh, yeah, there's so many moments in this episode that I love. I get what you're saying when you're saying that something's not quite missing. Something's quite missing from the character. I just think, yeah, everyone's used to hearing Ashley's voice. Mm hmm. And uh, but I think Rosario did a great job. There's moments in the episode where it's very Ahsoka, yeah. like where she uh, where she knocks the uh, rifle into the other guy's head, and he like looks at her, and she like does like this slight head tilt. I think that's very Ahsoka and that type of thing. But yeah, all in all, yeah, it was a great episode, and I loved the reveal at the end. I've loved the uh, the character they reveal at the end since I've read Air to the Empire, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just I couldn't. I, can't wait to see where they're going to take it after the uh, obviously what Ahsoka is searching for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, what about you, Peter? Yeah, I love this episode. Um, but the beginning was a uh, very cutthroat. Um, almost Ahsoka's almost. Um, you know, it's almost like a an action. He's action movie, just running through, cutting everybody down. Um, very ruthless. Um, new side of the character we haven't really seen I suppose um, yeah I thought Rosario did a great job um, like both physically um, and also subtly in the role as well like I said that, that head tilt that Ian mentioned is wonderful and then some of the lines she delivers I think I think the Filoni wrote the episode uh, who, who knows Ahsoka best Filoni um, I think there's one line that's so Ahsoka and I think it's um, off the top of my head I think the line goes something like um don't mention it about firsts, and uh, sort of says she loves she loves firsts because uh, good or bad, they're always memorable. Uh, which is like mm. something out of Clone Wars, which I, which I really digged. Um, 
sort of like the uh, the sort of mix between Western and Samurai like this episode was uh, was 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 really cool. Um, yeah. The action sequences were brilliant. Um, and I like the idea of sort of Mando's gone here looking for a Soga for his quest. But Soga's actually here on our own quest mm-hmm. to get for information for Animal Throne. Obviously, we're going to get in the Soga series now, which is going to tie into sort of why and what you're doing. Um, but I thought it was a great way to sort of bring a Soga in as we Soga's already on halfway of her journey, maybe, of trying to find what she's looking for. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, when the Soga series starts, we might get episode set before this one and then episode set after maybe who knows but um i think it's left them in a creative position where they can go in any direction with it really and what do they want to bring is a sort of mentioned in thrones name because you're still looking for ezra and if that's the case are we going to get sabine wren coming in the Ahsoka series um who right. knows lots of, good, lots of good possibilities yeah yeah for sure i think there's a lot of potential here because like the ahsoka series is going to be a limited run so uh, we could probably expect it to be capped out at even one season, which which could entail like eight eight episodes, you know, and yeah, we could have four that take place between her Rebels appearance and then her Mandalorian appearance. And, uh, you know, and Dave has also said that yeah. the the very finale scene of Star Wars Rebels, like if you scroll to the very, very end of, of the last episode of that show, uh, you know, she shows up in the white robes with the Gandalf staff and... Uh, and then her and Sabine go off looking for Ezra. So it, he he kind of he put it interesting when he was chatting to someone about it. Some someone some uh, reporter or something who asked him the question, and he kind of vaguely said, "Well, we haven't really confirmed when that takes place. So it's possible that that scene could actually be after the Mandalorian show. Uh, and if it is, then then it, it's likely that we'll get." the Ahsoka show kind of building up to that moment, uh, which is really cool to think about because um, I would, I would also like to know, I guess what happens between her previous rebels appearance and that scene, because the last time I think before she shows up in the white robes, she's, she's had all this, uh, she goes into this cave, I guess, to go on this like spiritual force journey, I guess is what you call it. Is that, that's, that's right, right? Am I yeah, she's on Malakar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. yeah. gets brought out of the world between worlds by Ezra, and then it takes her back to her, her time where she's just fought Vader, and then obviously the last thing we see of her before the Rebels epilogue is her walking back into the Sith Temple on Malakar. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... Um, there's a bit of a gap, I guess, between between that moment and then when she now shows up in Mandalorian... Uh, I guess it would be close to like a 10 year gap almost like roughly um, or maybe eight years or so. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to think like what this show has as far as potential goes and then how it could even introduce more animated characters in the live action, like Sabine and, and Ahsoka and stuff like that. And, you know, this character has so much history behind her. Um, at some point I was going to do like a dedicated recording of just kind of catching everybody up who hadn't seen the show um, and like Clone Wars and Rebels, that is, and just kind of giving a full overall kind of like, Hey, this is where this character's been and what she's done and all that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I, I always recommend to anybody though, you know, as, as far as Mandalorian goes, first season kind of proved to people that Star Wars can be for them, 
even if they hadn't seen the movies yet. You know, it's like it's it's enjoyable to anybody out there. Uh, recommended wise, of course, you'd obviously seen the other films, but um, you know, going forward in the show now that the first season's done, this second season to me has at this point it kind of it kind of pointed me in the direction of like okay. At this point, it's wise for people not only to have seen the films, but to also have like seen the animated shows as well. Like, there's a lot of connections now that are happening, which uh, you know Disney Plus is making it available to watch all that stuff, and it's a lot of time and investment, you know, to to go through like a seven season show and then a four season show and watch all the films and stuff like that but it's uh it pays off right like i think like it's good storytelling and like i think with good storytelling like what peter what you were saying earlier like it's a long it's a long it, a haul you know like it's in in for the long run uh you, you get things that sprinkle through and then build up and um they don't all need to sequely eyes each other they can all stand on their own but there's still this overall narrative which can take place still and then lead up to this grand finale and Marvel's done it exceptionally well. Like they're the best example of what it's like to have a cinematic universe where you have all these movies. People haven't seen them all necessarily, but everyone went to see Endgame and everyone loved it. And, you know, and even though there's some pieces missing, they'll go back and watch those, you know. Uh, so I think we're going to get something similar uh, with with Mandalorian leading up to this climactic finale that we'll get with the other shows. Um so chapter 14, the tragedy with Boba's return and, uh, you know, Robert Roger Guest directed this episode, which is crazy. Cause like I brought this up on, on the after show and I did when I did for this one, but I, Robert Roger Guest, you know, primarily known for directing, uh, uh, I guess uh, the machete series, uh, sin city. And of course, spike it, which is like how, how I've kind of familiarized myself with, with Robert's work. Uh, did you guys grow up on spike kids or, or was that, not not really your thing never really watched them no no wasn't really my thing no so i got into lots of work in my early teens when i got like copies of um the mariachi trilogy i think it's okay. um mariachi um i've forgotten desperado was number two and then the, the third one is um once more time mexico um so like that's how I first got into his work and it's sort of like a sort of like a Mexican Latin version of sort of spaghetti westerns type of thing, sort of vibe he's going for. Um very cool. Uh, especially when I was a teenager, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Um he's spy kids as well, yeah. So you know he's very well rounded. He can make these sort of um R-rated movies action movies yeah. um you also make these movies for children as well which obviously i think in this episode he brought both he brought sort of a brought a real physicality to the violence in this episode mm -hmm. but, all, but also had like the deep themes star wars going through it which kept it grounded in a family manner um so i think i think he did fantastic fantastic work here yeah yeah i, I thought it was awesome i mean i'm a big spike it's fan so um yeah, I grew up loving those movies. Those are some of my favorite favorite films. Uh, the, the first and second one, the third and fourth were kind of not as good, and then they came later. But um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Even if you haven't if you haven't watched Spy Kids, just give the awesome. first one a watch. And uh, yeah, it's 
it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's fun. You know, it's, it's a little campy, but it's, it's fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I really liked this episode. I thought, I thought it was pretty good. You know, we had, uh, obviously we all want to see more Boba Fett. And, uh, this was kind of the episode that was known to like literally bring him back like properly, you know? Um, yeah. and, uh, we saw him actually take out some, some stormtroopers and, uh, we saw a different side of this character because in the original films, he's very much painted as this antagonist character. But as we've seen him evolve, I guess, over the course of Clone Wars and then uh, and then now in this show, you know, it's it's evident to me, at least at this point, he's actually not an antagonist at all. He's he's a protagonist kind of antihero character uh, because in Clone Wars, he's got a lot of moments where he's actually got this good side to him but he's just doing bad stuff a lot of the time you know uh especially getting you know revenge on mace windu and 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 uh you know for killing Django, of course and and all that uh but there's a there's a cut story arc that we saw uh, or that we that we didn't see but we saw a little clip of it from star wars celebration where he's actually in a in a standoff with cad bane and uh you know they have that shootout and it was over a matter of uh, releasing these innocent people from like this town or whatever. Uh, and I, I always thought that was really interesting because, you know, Boba, he'll do, he'll do what he can for like the money because he's a professional, but he's also got this respectful code about what he does and stuff. And I, I thought it was kind of nice that he did honor, you know, the promise he made to Din Djarin and just helps him out trying to find the child and stuff like that um but yeah that was that was really cool uh what did you guys think of the one after that the the believer chapter 15 we had uh uh rick family family yeah so we had his episode we had bill burr return as the character May mayfeld and um yeah. kind of the the heist uh invasion that happens there <laughs> yeah the this episode has the one of the biggest u-turns on a character ever like in the first season uh, bill burr's character i was a bit like meh he's just like the generic like uh i don't know say like not a nice guy henchman type guy but when he uh when he sits down with the imperial officer in this uh episode and uh as like a former serviceman myself, you can see like we obviously with the PTSD from uh, Operation Cinder, you can see it on his face, like how he acts. I didn't think he could, I didn't think he was like that level of an actor, but he absolutely smashed it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, Peter, what do you think about this one? Yes, yeah, so obviously Bill Burr's character's back for this episode. Um, like in season one, I thought he was a prick. Um, this episode, we sort of learn about his past. You know, he was it part of the empire um and you know he had his little the empire turned against him his family's friends his fellow soldiers like had mass genocide against them he's managed to survive operation cinder um but it's obviously haunted him as, as we know he brings it up yeah and he doesn't let it doesn't let it go you know he you know, jeopardizes everyone's lives when he pulls that blast and kills the officer who brings it up um also some good some good morals from him when he's speaking to mandalorian you know the man always takes his armor off yeah, and he's wearing the stormtrooper armor and um and bilbo's like you know what is it is it that you 
is it that you can't take your Mandalorian helmet off or is it that you can wear any helmet and uh, you can see Mandal's a bit like again it's sort of poking at that cult like you know you've been brought up on this cult and it's not really real so you know you can you can take your helmet off and it's not really a thing but obviously because he's been brought up with that way like he, he's hesitant but I think it is sort of totally showing you now that the, the Mandal's having people are questioning it and he's questioning himself as well um and then obviously a nice touch at the end there when Bill Burr says, I won't tell everybody that you took your helmet off, don't worry. Um, the game was a nice touch. Nice touch at the end when they decided to let him go and pretend that he died. Um, the, I love Boba Fett in this episode. I thought he was great in Slave 1. Um, yeah, yeah. Is this the episode where we got the seismic charge blast? It was, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was, was fun. That, that was that. Yeah, that was that was super cool to see uh, or hear. I guess such a such a good sounding weapon. I, I don't think we got seismic charges in Clone Wars, uh, which was no, um, yeah, which was really refreshing to finally get that again. I guess it's been a long time since those showed up, but uh, yeah. So then we go, you know, we go into the last episode and we get Luke Skywalker showing up, and I don't know about you guys, but like that whole episode was just. Fantastic. Like I like X-Wing shows up. I was like, boom, that's Luke. Like just right away, I was on the edge of my seat. And uh, you know, it was like the it was like the best thing I've seen since since the uh since the Clone Wars finale. And uh yeah, it was uh, it was fantastic. But yeah, what what did you guys kind of what were your feelings when you saw that? Oh, absolutely. I, I thought as soon as she said, Oh, one X-Wing great was saved, I'm like, oh my word, like they're actually gonna do this, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and then it just builds and builds and builds, and obviously, you see the green lightsaber, you see the black glove, and you're like, "This is absolutely insane that they're actually mm. doing this." I always thought, like, when they obviously when they're on Tython and he makes a call out to a Jedi, it always to me made sense to be Luke. I know people said about Cal Kestis and people said about Ezra and that, but there's not one person who doesn't know who Luke Skywalker is, and I just in my head I thought, "Oh yeah, it makes sense," but I never thought it would actually happen. Yeah, and then yeah, to see him cut through those droids. Obviously, it's still, still. I've seen some people say about obviously Last Jedi Luke, this Luke. It all fits to me perfectly well, and uh, it was absolutely the most craziest thing I've seen since the, mm-hmm. the Vader Rogue One hallway scene for me personally. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, super well done for sure. Um, yeah, what about you, Peter? What would you what would you think about this one? Yeah, um, love the episode. Um, thought all the drama leading up to it, the sort of um, underclass shuttle and Boba Fett chasing them with Slave One was fantastic. Um, I thought the the whole setup of um, pretending to be the Imperials in the shuttle and Slave One chasing them it was fantastic. Um, Gained mm-hmm. great setup. Um, also, a good way of getting Boba Fett away from Luke Skywalker when he turns up, so they don't have to meet face to face. Yeah. Then, and then, like I said, when they when they're sort of stuck in the doomed with the dark troopers coming after them, um, like game when that X wing came out of hyperspace, uh, it was a bit like, oh my god, are they actually actually doing it? But as you said it, you didn't really believe it, and like you see the old figure, and you're like, oh my god, they're actually doing it. But again, you were like, yeah. but they're probably not though. 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't, you can't really believe it until you finally start seeing that green lightsaber and everything uh, show up. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just surreal, honestly, to have this character back and the way that they pulled it off with the VFX didn't bother me at all. You know, I, I was uh, hoping that they wouldn't recast the character if they did bring him back. You know, there's been a lot of whispers that uh, Sebastian Stan would come in and reprise the role. That was just like a fan casting sort of thing. But uh, I'm really happy with the way that they did it. And uh, I'm glad that we we actually have that Mark Hamill uh, involvement as well. I mean, doing a little bit of audio recording for the character and, and then recycling some audio from previous films and such. Um, I think it was just the best possible way that they could have pulled this off. So what do you guys think about Grogu? Are we going to see him again or is he just going to be killed off at, at Ben Solo's betrayal against Luke's Jedi Temple, you know, and before the sequels come out, like, is he is he going to be the one to actually kill Grogu, perhaps? Like, what, what do you guys think? Are we going to actually see him again? No, I think they'll see each other again. He even says in the episode, I'll see you again, I promise. And I don't I don't think he'll end up at Luke's Temple when, obviously, uh, Ben Solo turns to the dark side. I do think he'll be back in the show at some point, maybe not season three, but he, he basically, like, Mando even says it like, oh, we will see each other again, I promise. I'm guessing he said that for a reason. I'm guessing. I still think they'll end up together. I think Grogu might learn off Luke for a while to control his powers and that. And then I think he might just choose to go back with Mando. Yeah. Well, it was a fantastic show. And I know we all, being Star Wars fans, just absolutely loved it. You know, so much more involvement from, uh, you know, tying in material from other parts of the saga. And uh, there's plenty of more content to look forward to going forward. I mean, with the announcement of like 11 shows or something like that, we also have uh, a next generation of an era in the Star Wars world uh, being the High Republic taking place 200 years before The Phantom Menace. Uh, But amongst other things, uh, did you... Did you guys have like a favorite book or or comic or or even just a show coming up that you're just incredibly excited for? And uh, if it's from the higher public, like which one is it kind of thing? Just give me a rundown of what you're stoked for in 2021. Uh, book of Boba Fett for TV, I'd say. And then for novels, I'd say uh, like the Night of the Jedi, which comes out on Tuesday. And uh, the second Thrawn book, because I really enjoyed the... Uh, the first Thrawn uh, Chiss Ascendancy book. Couldn't be. That's what I'm that's, looking forward that, to. That's, that's good because I think you weren't a huge fan of Thrawn Treason, you said. Still haven't finished it, no. <laughs> I need to, but I'll get to uh, it. That's too bad, yeah. yeah. What about you, Peter? I think I'm looking forward to the High Republic. Um, I'm just excited to get sort of a new era of Star Wars that we don't really know, although when you be, right. be very familiar with it. I'm excited there's sort of the different books and comics coming out around the same year. I think it's going to be cool to sort of be sort of uh, diving into those and connecting all the pieces. I'm really excited to that. Yeah, it's cool to think that a lot of these new books and, and comics and stuff that they're coming out within this High Republic era are really building a foundation for Disney Plus shows like The Acolyte to really kind of vibe well in that in that time space time period kind of thing because there's really nothing for for a show like that to kind of go off of so going forward it's very likely that you know i mean we don't know what the star wars visions project is going to look like with the anime stuff but it's possible we could get maybe a few shorts that happen in the high republic era through that project 
I mean, of course, the Acolyte being a High Republic based story. We also had the VR game I was talking about earlier, uh, which is, has a High Republic chapter in there. Um, so it's really cool to think that maybe this foundation is really being uh, built upon so that future films can exist in that time space. And, and you know, the possibilities of that. I mean, you know, a young Palpatine movie or a Darth Plagueis movie, it's, it's crazy to think what the possibilities are. Um, so the High Republic being this, uh, this, you know, mysterious project Luminous that they had announced a year ago and then announcing this year kind of thing and, and revealing more details about it. Very, very cool narrative that they're going to have uh, with that stuff. Uh, of course, I'm really excited for all of that. And uh, Bad Batch uh, is I'm a huge Clone Wars fan. So Bad Batch is kind of my go to when it when it comes down to uh, what I'm most excited for as far as as far as immediate content goes. Uh, but, uh, you know, if if uh, other than Bad Batch, I mean, Book of Boba Fett being the next chapter in, in this Mandalorian kind of era based um, show uh which is going to weave in with ahsoka and rangers of the new republic uh, i'm really excited to see what Bo book of boba fett is going to actually accomplish and uh get more of that character who i guess we all really love a lot and uh you know interesting enough to think that there might actually be some some uh flashbacks in that scene maybe we'll get daniel logan showing up as as young boba fett again possibly during uh the clone wars or even after episode three kind of thing uh, it, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy stuff. I mean, we could get Daniel Logan popping up in Bad Batch as as Boba Fett again. I mean, you, you know, you never know. This Star Wars is an ever building, ever expanding story. And, uh, you know, the possibilities are endless. So uh, being a Star Wars fan, so much to look forward to, so much to get excited about going forward. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, I can't even contain it all. I mean, I can only think about one of these things at a time. So it's uh, it's very very it's it's an awesome time to be alive as a star wars fan that's for sure but uh guys it was awesome having you on the show again and we will catch you again in the future on whenever it is that's convenient to have you back and uh you know it's always great chatting star wars with you guys um you guys are are fantastic and uh you know awesome star wars fans and uh what are your what are your twitter handles or social media that uh listeners can uh follow you at my Twitter handle is uh, at Star Wars Ian. That's where I'm at. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Star Wars Podcast and on Twitter at Boars Star. Awesome. And Peter, I guess I'll see you next week on Tuesday on your show, The Star Boars. So everyone, you can tune into The Star Boars and uh, hear Peter and Ian chat Star Wars on a, on a monthly basis or weekly basis or something. Uh, I don't know what you guys' schedule is, but uh, I will be popping in with Star Wars uh, on one of their upcoming episodes. And uh, what, what are we doing again? Hopefully, yeah. Um, obviously, excited to have you on to do it. Um, knowing me, knowing you, aha, special getting to know Star Wars fans on the Star Wars show. Awesome. Uh, cool. Yeah, well, I'm uh, super excited to be doing that with you. And uh, I guess uh, until next time, uh, thanks again for popping on, guys. We'll see you Good next time. Yep. Yeah, see ya. 
All right. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod. We really hope that you were able to kind of get around the recording problems that we had. Uh, I tried to fill in the gaps as much as possible through post editing and such. So just a disclaimer on that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those times, you know, everyone's using online services and stuff. And so, uh, you know, online recording methods uh, having had to take place across uh, an ocean and a whole country and all that stuff it's, it's difficult so uh, thanks for thanks for the patience on that uh, but uh, yes you can catch me next time right here of course on Star Wars Escape Pod and as well as uh, the next uh, or two episodes of uh, the Star Wars so be sure to check that out as well for the getting to know me getting to know you episode that Peter is going to host and uh, be sure to follow Ian and, P- and Peter on the Twitter feed they've got some some great Star Wars tweets and they stay on top of the news and all that stuff um, but uh, heading into 2021 we got tons of content coming your way including uh, explained episodes which give you a detailed history on certain characters like Thrawn, Bo-Katan, Boba Fett and Ahsoka uh, so on and so forth we're going to be doing a review on Star Wars Squadrons Tales from Galaxy's Edge VR game we're going to be doing our Rebels talk series uh, hopefully with uh, Diego and uh, stay tuned for more Lightspeed news episodes we're going to be doing a Why Watch the Clone Wars episode and uh, an explained episode on Darth Maul and the Darksaber so uh, lots to look forward to including a special 100th anniversary episode which is also going to be dropped very very shortly so thanks again for tuning in guys and may the force be with you